بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم محمد رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا ایتھ آف اوگسٹ ان دی ایئر الحمد للہ وی موو آن ٹو دا نائنٹی فورتھ نائٹ دا وی گوئنگ ٹو دا ایگزامپل ان ڈیئر لائف آف دا انڈسٹریز کمپنی سیدنا عبد اللہ ابن مسعود رضی اللہ اینڈ آئی ریچ دا پوائنٹ ور آئی مینشنڈ اے شورٹ سی وی آف دا گلوریس منز لائف رضی اللہ اینڈ اگین ایچ ون کو اسپیک والیومز ود ریگارڈس ٹو ہز رینک اینڈ اسٹیٹس سو ود ریگارڈس ٹو ہز ایج ایٹ دا ٹائم آف ہز پاسنگ اون ابن عبد اللہ ابن اطبہ رحمۃ اللہ علیہ سیٹ سیدنا عبد اللہ ابن مسعود رضی اللہ واز اباؤٹ سکسٹی ایئرز اولڈ ون ہی پاس ٹو وے دس از ان ابن سعد ان استبقات والیوم تھری پیج ون ٹو ون آف دا انگلش ٹرانسلیشن ان دا چیپٹر آن دا کمپنینز آف بدر سو ون آف دا سلف سیٹ ہی واز روفلی اراؤنڈ دا ایج آف سکسٹی ہی واز ان شیور اباؤٹ ہز پریسائز ایج ہاف از ابن حجر اسکلانی رحمۃ اللہ علیہ ہی مینشن ان فت الباری سیون ڈیش ون او تھری that he was over 60 years of age upon his passing in the year 32 AH during the Khalifat of Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu So the great Hafiz ibn Hajar, he said he was certainly over 60. Was Hafiz ibn Kathir, rahmatullahi, in his seed of volume 4, page 477 of the English translation, he mentioned that the great Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu who passed away at the age of 63 years. The same age, as that of our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi so is there a contradiction no some of the narrators mentioned he was around 60 others stated he was above 60 half is ibn kathir mentioned he was 63 so if that is the case he's also honored to pass away the same age as our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi so is this something which we should aspire towards So there's a report. The hadith is in Sayyid Muslim and Sayyidina Muawiyah when he became the Khalif, he was 60 years old. So in the third year of his Khilafat, he was the undisputed ruler, not just of the Islamic world, but possibly the world. At the age of 63, at the height of his strength and power, he was standing on the pulpit and he said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed away at the age of 63. Abu Bakr radiyallahu, he passed away at the age of 63. Umar radiyallahu, passed away at the age of 63. Then he paused. Then he said, I now am 63. Then the narrator, the sub-narrator added, He passed away at the age of 80. <laughs> so now that's the report. So what was Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Mu'awiyah yearning at the age of 60? <laughs> he was yearning to pass away. He can't pray for death, but he wanted to coincide his passing with the age of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If you put that into solely years, that's around 61 years. 
So note, if you say to a person, would you like to pass it away at the age of 61 solar years? You think, no, no, brother, I'm too young. But then you say, but that's the age the Prophet passed away. And you'll even get some people erroneously saying, oh, that's not a sunnah, brother. That's just the age he passed away. And the response to that is, then why is it that the elites wanted to pass away at that age? Everything from the Prophet is priceless. Abu Bakr was given that honor. Umar was given that honor. Um, I believe Ali was also given this honor. Um, Sayyida Aisha was given this honor. And here it mentions the great Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. And also, famously, our beloved Messenger said, that most of my ummah will pass away between the age of 60 and 70. This is in Tirmidhi. So he himself set the standard, meaning I himself passed away between 60 and 70. And if you even out the age of a person passing, it is between 60 and 70, indicating how short your life is. Ubaidullah ibn Abdullah ibn Utbah, rahmatullah, he said, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud passed away in Al-Madinah and was buried in Jannat al-Baqi in 32 A.H. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in Istabaqat, volume 3, page 121 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr. So again, if, if he didn't have enough virtues, where's he passed away? <laughs> He's passed away in the city of the Prophet. So what's the significance? The Prophet said, whoever passes away in my city, I will intercede for him. <laughs> Umar who famously made a dua, he goes, oh my Lord, let me die in the city of your Prophet as a martyr. So not only he wanted martyrdom, he wanted to pass away in the city of the Prophet. So Ibn Mas'ud, though he was the chief Qadi in Kufa, Rasulullah brought him back. <laughs> and where was he ultimately laid to rest? In the most hallowed graveyard of Jannat al-Baqi. What year did he pass away? 32 A.H. It is certainly worth mentioning that during that year, the 32nd year after the Hijrah, many of the senior companions of our beloved Messenger were destined to leave the troubles of this mortal world, such as Sayyidina Abbas, the beloved uncle of the Prophet Sayyidina Abdul Rahman ibn Auf, Sayyid al Muslimin, one of the ten prophets paradise. Sayyidina Abu Dhar, the great ascetic. Sayyidina Abu Darda, Hakim al Ummah. And Sayyidina Abu Sufyan ibn Harb. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with all of them and forgive us all for their honorable sake. So, was that a coincidence? No. This seemed to be another clear sign to the aged Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Uthman that with the passing away of such hallowed and lofty souls in quick succession, the dreaded fitna was thus now well and truly going to erupt, which alas it did, ultimately leading to his tragic and heart-rendering martyrdom just three short years later. So Uthman himself was around 82. But these great noble souls were passing away in that year. Why was that fascinating? Because the fitna was going to be unleashed. Allah spared these noble souls. So note again, interesting. And I should have mentioned, who arranged the funeral, who buried Sayyidina Abu Dhar, who was given that honor? Ibn Masood. He passed away the same year. So what does that tell you? 
So when Ibn Masood was burying Abu Dhar, he was completely healthy. But little did he know that he's also going to pass away shortly, shortly thereafter. So Lord, that was a year in which great mountains passed away and this was a further sign to the great uh, Uthman that the troubles were going to truly erupt. Dus Abdullah ibn Mas'ud he was laid to rest in that most hallowed of graveyards about which he himself relates that he heard the Prophet say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will resurrect from Baki and from the Haram 70,000 people who will enter paradise without giving their account. Each one of them will thereupon further intercede on behalf of another 70,000 people. Their faces will be like the full moon. SubhanAllah. This is in Dilemi in his Muslim al-Firdos, number 8123 or volume 5, page 260. Kanzul Umal, number 33,492 or volume 12, page 262. So what's interesting? Who narrated this hadith from Rasulullah? <laughs> Abdullah ibn Masood. So don't you think when he was narrating this hadith, he was yearning to be one of those to be buried there. Look how Allah fulfilled that wish. What did the Prophet say? There's two hallowed places. If you die and you are buried there, Allah will resurrect 70,000 from that, from those two hallowed places without accounts. One is Janat al-Baki. Janat al-Baki is the graveyard in Al-Madina. If that wasn't enough, each one of the 70,000 will intercede for a 70,000. For that now becomes 4,900 million. So it's a tremendous honor to be buried in that august and most hallowed land. May Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us one among such fortunate souls who can also be buried there. And if not, be amongst those for whom these noble souls will intercede for. I mean, so question, who are they going to intercede for? <laughs> so you'd think, okay, family, but does it mention that? So if we are not fortunate enough to be honored to be buried there, make dua that these fortunate souls will intercede for you. You will go to paradise without reckoning. Imagine what a great honor. You will you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he goes straight away, straight to paradise. No questions asked. Why? Because somebody from Jannat al-Baqi interceded for you. So hopefully, by learning about these illustrious souls, maybe that will give us the opportunity to be amongst those whom they will intercede for. Ta'alaba ibn Abi Malik, rahmatullah Another thing about Jannat al-Baqi I should have mentioned. Imam Malik, rahmatullah he mentioned, if I can remember correctly, 10,000 Sahaba are buried in Jannat al-Baqi. So when I heard that report, you know, one Sahaba's in, you know, enough honor. If imagine a hundred Sahaba, no. Thousand Sahaba, no. Ten thousand Sahaba are buried there. So one of them was Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. And if you look at the graveyard, it's quite small. And you actually think, where are all these blessed souls buried? Well, ten thousand, that's leaving aside the Tabi'een, the Taba Tabi'een, family of the Prophet So it, just by that fact, you expect something amazing to take place there. Uh, why is that fascinating? Because the soil or the dust of each individual is taken from his grave. So when he's created, when his mother is pregnant with him, 
the dust is taken from his grave. So where did 10,000 companions blessed dust come from? Janat al-Baqi. Who is the most elite soul buried in Janat al-Baqi? Okay. Certainly Amin al-Mu'minin, Sayyidina Uthman. Who else? Fatima. But there's ikhtilaf. But most say she is buried there. So Fatima radiyallah. Who else? Also is in contention. Aisha. Abu Yeah, Sayyidah Aisha radiyallah. Who else? There's one that... I'll give you a clue. It's more to do with blood. No, he's foster. Foster blood. Who was Rasulullah's son? Ibrahim. Ibrahim is buried there. What did the Prophet say about his son? If he had lived, he would have become a prophet. <laughs> so really, it's mind-blowing what's taking, you know, who's buried there. So again, when you go to Jalat al-Baqi, it's a tremendous honor. And of course, it's just a stone's throw away from Rasulullah's grave. And Abu Bakr and Umar are buried next to the Prophet. What else did Ibn Mas'ud will? In Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, volume 3, page 122 of the English translation, the chapter on the companions of Badr, Talaba ibn Abi Malik, rahmatullah, he said, I passed by the grave of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallah, in the morning of the day he was buried, and I saw it had been sprinkled with water. I passed by the grave of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallah, in the morning of the day he was buried. And I saw it had been sprinkled, I with water. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, volume 3, page 122 of the English translation, in the chapter on the companions of Badr. Why was his blessed grave during the first night in the Barzakh, why was his grave sprinkled with water? This is from the Sunnah. In Behaki in his Delay al Nubu'ah 7 264, Mishkat in the chapter on the sick and the dead, Sayyidina Jabr radiallahu said, Water was sprinkled on the grave of Rasulullah. And the, the one who sprinkled water over his grave from a water skin was Bilal ibn Rabah. He began from the side of his blessed head and sprinkled it up to his feet. So Bilal, the great companion, great famous companion of the Prophet the Sayyid of the Abyssinians, who will take all the Mu'azzins into paradise, the chief of the Mu'azzins, whose footsteps were heard in front of the Prophet even in paradise, he sprinkled water over Rasulullah's grave. Where, how did he start? He started from the august head of the beloved messenger, and he sprinkled the water to his feet. Why Sayyidina Bilal who did this, the blessed scholars have speculated. Whatever the case, there must be great wisdom in this. For God forbid, was this a redundant act on the part of this mighty company? Those we should also emulate. So a person could argue, maybe that was only for the Prophet. So that is an argument. Bilal did it for Rasulullah, but maybe that's only for the Prophet. That's not correct. This act is encouraged on all believing graves. In Ibn Majah, Sayyidina Abu Rafi radiallahu he said, Rasulullah sallallahu put Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad in the grave radiallahu from his head. 
he then ordered water to be sprinkled on the grave. So who Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad? Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad was one of the chief of the Ansar. He was martyred by an arrow that struck him on the archery in the arm uh, during the battle of the trench. When he was martyred, the earth shook in Bukhari and Muslim. He was that high in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 70,000 angels came to attend his funeral prayer. Here, the Prophet ordered, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, water to be sprinkled on his grave. So they showed this is a sunnah for the believers. Confirming further, half his baghwi in his sharh sunnah Abu Dawood in his malasir, Imam Jafar al-Sadiq, rahmatullahi relates from his father Muhammad al-Baqir, rahmatullahi Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam put fistfuls of soil on the grave of his son Ibrahim, radiyallahu he then sprinkled water over the grave and thereupon placed some pebbles upon the grave. So let's look at this. So this report is from the Ahlul Bayt. Imam Jafar al-Sadiq was a direct son of Rasulullah. He hears it from his father who was another direct son of Rasulullah Muhammad al-Baqir. So family, no family. The family members of Rasulullah, they said, Rasulullah put soil onto the grave of his son Ibrahim. He sprinkled water over the grave. The Prophet did it on his son's grave. And put pebbles upon the grave. So all of this are, these are proofs that you sprinkle water over the graves of the believers. All of these reports are confirmed in the famous Hanafi fiqh book of Imam Shami, Rad'ul Muhtar. Quoting, It is permissible to sprinkle water on the grave. Indeed, it is recommended for Rasulullah did so on the grave of Sa'ad as narrated by Ibn Majah and also on the grave of his son Ibrahim as narrated in Marasil of Abu Dawud and also ordered it upon the grave of Uthman ibn Maz'ud as narrated by Bazar and Mirqat, volume 2, page 378. So what's interesting? Where is... Uthman ibn Maz'un, Ibrahim ibn Rasulullah, and ibn Masood buried. Mm-hmm. But more specifically, where they buried? Very close because uh, ibn Masood requested bury me near. They're all neighbors. Every one of them on their graves, water was sprinkled. Ibn Masood. Willed it. <laughs> Think about that. He willed it. He goes, make sure water is sprinkled upon my grave. So now we don't need to know the wisdom. Like I mentioned again and again, people query this. Why? What's all this about? Again, why are you questioning? Whatever the Prophet instructs is good for you, whether we understand it or not. So let's look briefly at what the scholars have mentioned. Hafiz Mullah Ali Qari, Rahmatullah in his commentary of Mishkat, Mirqat, volume 2, page 278, he said, Hafiz Tibi Rahmatullah said, Perhaps this act signals seeking the descent of divine mercy and bounty as described in the prophetic dua. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wash his mistakes with water and snow. In Sayyid Bukhari. So stop in the quote. So who's Hafiz Tibi? Hafiz Tibi was a famous commentator of the hadith. He was a muhaddith. And he wrote a commentary on Mishkat. He commented upon this. And what he said was, 
Allah Ta'ala knows best. But maybe by sprinkling water on the grave, you are begging Allah Ta'ala to take away his sins. Where's the proof? Because Rasulullah made a dua. What did he say? Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wash his mistakes with water and snow. So maybe that's one of the wisdoms. Then Hafiz Mullah Ariqari said, Mirak rahmatullah he said, the wisdom behind this is that when water is sprinkled on the grave, the grave is prolonged and the chances of its breaking up or disintegrating are reduced. Well then the Shaykh said, but isn't this obvious? So look how beautiful. Hafiz Mullah Ariqari is giving the commentary of the other scholars. Some he keeps quiet about. This one he couldn't help it. You know, like you say in today's day, well, that's, that's, how is that a blessing? He goes, it keeps the grave fresh so it doesn't like disintegrate. So Mullah Ali Qadi goes, but isn't that obvious? Then he said, the reasoning of Imam Tibi, Rahmatullah is subtle and excellent. Its example is that of the man who builds a house and invited a sheikh to his house. His sheikh asked the reason for keeping an opening in the wall and he explained it was for air and light. So he's giving an analogy. You've invited your sheikh to your house. It's completely solid, but there's a hole, a brick's missing. When the sheikh asks, why have you got a hole in the wall? You say, because air and light. The sheikh remarked, that's obvious. It would have been better if you said the real reason was to allow the sound of azan to enter the house. Everything else like light would have naturally followed. So why did Hafiz Mullah Ali Qadi say this? Because what he was saying was he was rebuking mildly the second clarification because it keeps the grave fresh. So he gave this analogy. He goes, that's obvious. So why didn't you say the azan is coming in? And he goes, everything else will follow the azan. Thus, all praise be to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In most graveyards, there is a tap where water can easily be obtained and usually a container which a brother or sister has graciously left at the graves of their loved ones. Thus, when paying a visit, one should not deprive our near and dear ones of this priceless sunnah. Now think about this. How many times do people ask me, what do I do a graveyard, brother Yusuf? What do I do? And sometimes they get fed up because I feel like saying dance. <laughs> right? Made dua. Because yeah, but can't we do something else? This is a sunnah. Think about that. There's not many sunnahs in the graveyard. This is a sunnah. How many of you done that? Another brother asked me how many times should I do it? Knock yourself out, brother. Right? You know, why are you asking all these strange questions? Every time you go, do it then. Do it once a week. Do it once every month. But get the sunnah in. If the dead could speak and you could hear, wouldn't they want this sunnah? Then they start asking other questions. But what water should I use? <laughs> and then you think, use zamzam if you want. You know, just use water. Do I need to blow something on it? Knock yourself out. Nothing's mentioned about the water. He goes, how does that benefit the dead? Don't worry about it. It's sunnah. If it's sunnah, it will definitely benefit the dead. But what do people do? They put flowers on graves. Imagine it. They're asking for water. You're putting flowers? What's flowers going to do? And then what happens? <laughs> you go past the dustbins 
And you see them flowers in the dustbin. Why? Because the guys who clean the graves, they end up shaking those flowers, putting it in bin. How is that benefit to the dead? <laughs> right? So note again, you know, the intention's good. They think they'll spend some money. Maybe this will make them happy. Right? But everything from the sunnah is what will make them happy. So again, try to get this sunnah. How do you do it? You get the water. You pour from the head to the feet. If you're not sure where the head and feet are, it doesn't matter. Say, Ya Allah, I intend to follow the sunnah. I'm not certain due to my ignorance, but you just put it down. How many times do you sprinkle the water? Don't worry about it. You can do it once, do it twice, do it as many times as you want. But as long as you go from the head to the feet. And even better, go to some other brothers. Sprinkle their graves. Right? You know, some brothers I noticed, mashallah, they sprinkle the graves of their loved ones. Then they go down other graves. They sprinkle water there. And then I noticed when I was in the graveyard that when he was doing this, another brother gave him a dirty look. As if, you know, what is he doing? I felt like saying, guy is doing bar azan in graveyard. They have nothing, no, no one ever go at him. Everybody starts doing strange things in graveyard. When they follow the sunnah, everybody starts getting provoked by shaitan. Right? So again, water. Uh, is it better to use dumb water? To be honest with you, as long as you use water, there's no problem, inshallah. If it rains, don't bother. So note again, even upon his death, what are we learning? <laughs> Look how Allah has blessed this mighty man. Even after he's passed away, we're learning sunnah. Because the, his grave was sprinkled the morning after. Because we saw it. His blessed grave was sprinkled with water. Subhanallah. So all I mentioned today was basically now, again, further details upon his passing, his blessed age upon his passing, the year in which he passed, the city, the August city in which he passed, the August graveyard in which he's buried, and the sunnah of sprinkling water over the blessed graves. And just to add one thing, the blessed graveyard of Al Madina is is a jeep. There's a report. I can't remember the reference. I think it's in Mirgat. And there was a majzub. So a majzub is a is a saintly person who's lost his physical senses. You know, like you'd say in English, he's drunk, but he's spiritually drunk. So when a person's drunk, he's haram drunk, he's been taken intoxicants, he's not in his senses. So we know that's a bad state. But in Islam, there's something called a majzub. A majzub is a person who's so in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's literally drunk. So there was a majzub in the city of the Prophet and he observed a funeral prayer. So the body was being carried into, uh, into Masjid al-Nabi. When the body was being carried into Jannah, into the masjid to offer the funeral prayer, the majzub was weeping. Because he was weeping and weeping. When he entered, when the dead body entered Masjid al-Nabi, the majzub suddenly started laughing. <laughs> they just started jumping up and down and laughing. So the people thinking, this guy is crazy. Then, after the funeral prayer was offered and the body was taken out of Masjid al-Nabi, the majzub started weeping again. <laughs> And then when he entered genital Baki to bury that person, the Majub started laughing again. So what happened was, to quote a long narrative short, another saintly soul came to that Majub and he basically snapped him out of that state. And he goes, explain to the people, why are you laughing and crying? So the Majub said, when that Muslim was being carried into Masjid al-Nabi, when he was outside being carried, I saw the angels of punishment. So I wept, thinking this guy is going to get punished. 
But as the body entered Masjid al-Nabi, the angels of punishment didn't enter. So I laughed. I thought, subhanallah, he goes, he's protected because he's in the Prophet's Masjid. But then after the funeral prayer was offered and he was carried outside of Masjid al-Nabi, the angels of punishment came again. And I started weeping again. But then, look what he said. Subhanallah. When he was carried to Jannat al-Baqi, and, he, and the grave where he was going to be buried, I saw a companion of Rasulullah who was buried there. And the companion of Rasulullah said, what do you want? To the angels of punishment. And they left. And I started to laugh. So think about that. Look at this narrative mentioned by Hafiz Mullah Ali Qari in his Mirqat. All of it is substantiated by what I've been discussing. Masjid al-Nabi is a great protection. Certainly. And what saved that soul, according to this, you know, karamat of this saint, it was a companion. Look how fortunate he was. When you're buried in Jannat al-Baqi, what is the likelihood that you will not be buried in the same place where a companion was buried? It's virtually impossible. You're definitely going to get buried where a companion is buried. And that sahaba goes, what do you want? You're going to punish him. And the angels of punishment step back. Allah But that's probably why the, it's such a sanctified graveyard. So, what? Are there any questions you want to ask? Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanallah, Allahumma, bihamdi, ka ishtu lai, lakhi illa anta astafirikatu, balaika, wa tibullahi, minish adhanjim, subhanallah, rabbika, rabbil izzati, amma yisifun, assalamu alaykum, mursaleem, alhamdulillahi, rabbil alameen, bismillah, rabbil alameen, wal asr, in the sound of the fi khusr, al-lazina amilu, wa 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 amilu, wa